If you want to know how the New Orleans Saints can take it to the next level on offense, let me tell you why it is that three yards can make all the difference. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, we you can find us and subscribe for free wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube so you never miss the latest episodes. And if you want to keep up to date and carry on the conversation beyond that, you can always head over to joinsubtext.com slash locked on saints. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can also find me every Tuesday on Locked on NFL and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And on today's episode, I want to let you know that it is brought to you by our friends over at Bird Dogs, the best uh, uh, fitting joggers, shorts, pants, all that stuff that you're ever going to find. You can find more and learn today over at birddogs.com slash locked on NFL. And you're going to be able to use that promo code locked on NFL as well. So you can get a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. Tell you more about them later on today's episode. We're going to be taking a look at the fact that Brian Brzee got his first team reps. What that means, was it just about situation or was it a little bit more about his progress throughout the uh, offseason so far? We're going to take a look at our attendance takeaways for the New Orleans Saints OTAs. But first, I want to start off with how Michael Thomas and Derek Carr can come together to help create a next level offense for the New Orleans Saints. Now, I'll say this with a little bit of a disclaimer, because it is clear that Derek Carr and Michael Thomas have what it takes to take the Saints offense to the next level as compared to what they were last year. Let's face it, this offense kind of has nowhere to go but up from where it was last year. But a big piece of why this all works is because of the way that these two have been working on their communication, yes, but also the way that a guy, a healthy Michael Thomas, can change the game. And the big thing when it comes to how Michael Thomas changes the game is that he's only got to change the game for a few games. So even if you're worried about him not being able to make it past 10 games, things like that, 10 games of Michael Thomas will make that much of a difference. So we're going to get to all of that here on today's episode. Uh, I want to ask real quick, uh, yesterday's episode, there was something weird with the audio. So we're here live on the Locked on Saints YouTube page. So I am going to use this as an opportunity to say, if you hear anything weird with the audio, please speak up. Please say something. I have no idea what happened in yesterday's episode. It fixed like partway through, but we're good here. So just let me know, depending upon what you're seeing here. Big shout out to Hoodie Jew, Gundam, everybody that is here up in the chat. So let's start off here with um, Michael Thomas and uh, Derek Carr. Michael Thomas and Derek Carr both spoke to media after practice yesterday And there was something that Derek Carr, I think, highlighted that shows you how a healthy Michael Thomas can take the Saints to the next level. And it was kind of about yards after catch, which is not the way that we usually talk a lot about Derek Carr, or really, I'm sorry, about how we talk about Michael Thomas. We don't often uh, talk about Michael Thomas as a yards after catch guy, but I also take issue with the way that we talk about yards after catch. And I, Ross, 
am guilty of this myself. We tend to think of yards after catch receivers as the Rashid Shaheeds of the world, which makes sense. They certainly are. They're returners. Uh, Rashid Shaheed is. You get him the ball in space, allow him to be able to turn into a returner with the ball in his hands, all of that. And so there is something to be said about those players. But just because that is one way we look at yards after catch threats doesn't mean that this is uh, the same way we should be looking at all yards after catch uh, uh, players and that yards after catch can become something more than just that. So it's not the only way we should be talking about it. Thanks to everybody who's uh, clarified that audio is good today. Much appreciated. I see a couple of questions in the chat. I will circle back to those. Um, one of the things that I highlighted about James Washington when the Saints signed him earlier on this offseason is that over the course of his career, he averages about 4.4 yards after catch. So that means that he'll catch a pass and then on average gain an extra four yards or so after he turns up field. This is something that I think we need to start thinking about when we think about yards after catch, that it's not just the big explosive plays, although explosive plays are very helpful. We'll speak about why here in just a moment. But it is also catching a five-yard slant or a five-yard in or a five-yard quick out and then being able to turn the ball upfield or downfield, but upfield um, or downfield and pick up another two or three yards. Here's why three yards matter. Three yards can be the difference between a second down or a first down slant that turns second down into second and two versus second and five. This is one of the things that Derek Carr highlighted in his press conference yesterday. And one of the reasons why he's excited to work with Michael Thomas for as long as Michael Thomas can and will be on the field in 2023. Because Michael Thomas is the type of receiver who you throw a five-yard route to. And what does he do? He doesn't dance. He doesn't try to create sideline to sideline. He gets straight north and south, kind of like a running back. Get straight north and south, headed toward the end zone to try to pick up some additional yards. One of the things we were very excited about when it came to Jarvis Landry joining this team last year was the fact that Jarvis Landry very rarely in his career went down on first contact. That is true also for Michael Thomas. And even with Michael Thomas, if he does go down on first contact, he usually is at least falling forward or picking up a couple of yards on the way. Let's look back to. Latavius Murray from days past, being six foot three, a guy that if he falls down and falls forward, picks you up an additional six, uh, picks you up an additional two yards because of how tall he is. As a running back, Michael Thomas, six foot three, same thing. So what I mean to highlight here is that the way that the Saints can get to the next level is by moving the ball. <laughs> and I know that sounds really basic, but if you think about last year, they had so much trouble moving the ball. They only converted right around 40% of their third downs, which isn't terrible, but it did put them 15th in the NFL last year. Look back to 2019, it was 41% that put them at 11. Look back to 2018 when Drew Brees and Michael Thomas were really, really, really cooking uh, and the offense was really, really, really cooking. And they were converting those third downs at 45%, which put them in the top 10. I think it was sixth, fifth or sixth. Good evening, y'all. So if you think about how the Saints can convert those third downs, it's by making them manageable and winning on first and second down. Now, the easiest way to convert a third down, which I think sometimes this is another thing that we kind of take for granted, and we just kind of talk about, oh, well, they went this for this on third down, and then just kind of leave it at that. Converting third downs is very hard in the NFL because it's the one time, particularly third and long, that a DB lines up opposite a wide receiver and says, I know what you're going to do. I know where you're trying to get. 
I know where you're trying to complete. I know your quarterback's trying to complete his pass. I know that you're going to be running a route. I know that they're not going to be running the ball. I know that if they do, then these guys up front got it taken care of. It is the most secure position for a cornerback or a DB, however it is that you want to look at it. So that all changes when you get to skip over third down. So that's why things like explosive plays are important. And the Saints did not have many explosive plays last year. In fact, they were tied with the Los Angeles Rams for at least Uh, depending upon what kind of metric you use. And when I say what kind of metric you use, I mean 20 yards for both rushing and passing, or sometimes some places will use 20 yards for passing, 15 yards for rushing. So the way that Michael Thomas changes things for you is that A, if you complete him a pass eight yards downfield, he can probably get you those extra two yards, a fresh set of downs, no need for a third down. Or at least he gets you playing ahead of schedule early on. This is what we saw from the Saints week one when they really, really needed it in that fourth quarter comeback against the Atlanta Falcons. So this is what I mean by Derek Carr and Michael Thomas have the ability to take things to the next level for the New Orleans Saints offense, even if we're just talking about about three yards after the catch per catch. That ends up being a big deal for the New Orleans Saints and how they want to be able to run their offense, how they want to be able to win with their offense, and how they want to be able to win games. And these are the things that help you win games. That's one of the reasons why the Saints believe that if Michael Thomas was there, not just for the big catches in the red zone, not just for the big contested catches downfield, all that other stuff, but still taking a first and 10 and turning it into a second and two, as opposed to a second and five, can make all the difference for an offense and its ability to get rolling. So that's why I say that Derek Carr and Michael Thomas, if healthy, have all of the tools that they need to help the New Orleans Saints take their offense to the next level. They can't do it alone. They'll need the other guys that are around. That's one of the reasons why Chris Olave has been so important and impressive throughout OTAs, Juwan Johnson, all these other guys, uh, but they have what it takes to help get that started. Coming up next, speaking of Michael Thomas, speaking of Chris Olave, speaking of Juwan Johnson, these are all guys that we spotted at OTAs. So what are some of the big takeaways that we have when it comes to OTA attendance? Well, the big part of it and the biggest thing that you should know is that this team is absolutely bought in. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends over at Bird Dogs. These are my absolute favorite, favorite, favorite pants, shorts, polos. They have everything that you're looking for. And especially with Father's Day around the corner, you need to know about Bird Dogs. I've got four pair of Bird Dogs, three shorts, one pair of joggers, and I can't wait to get another pair of those joggers. Black, they got this like nice little like teal green on the inside. Teal's one of my favorite colors to wear. And so I love, 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 love what Bird Dogs has to offer. Everything that you feel like you're getting from Lululemon, but the fit is even better. The no sweat, stink sweat technology that they have is even better. Everything about Bird Dogs is better. And today, I want you to go and find out for yourself. So do me a favor, head over to uh, to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL. And when you make your purchase, because you will, you'll fall in love with everything that's on their website. When you make your purchase, whether it's for you or for Father's Day, use the promo code locked on NFL. You're going to get a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL for that free Yeti style tumbler. And I promise you, once you get these, you will not want to take your bird dogs. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network. Appreciate you very much, as always, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day 
For all you everydayers out there, whether you're joining us live or later, appreciate you very, very much for being here with us. Yes, I'm seeing that your team every day is in the chat. I love seeing that 777. Uh, Sarah, Sarah Toby, I appreciate you. I appreciate y'all very much for being here. So I want to go over OTA attendance and why it's so important. I promise you we're going to get to breaking down lineups and things like that as well as a part of this. Uh, I had something special that I wanted to do with that, but I'll find another way uh, to do that later on in the week that I, I just couldn't get together in time. But don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. We're always growing here at Locked on Saints. We're going to get you taken care of. Uh, but when it comes down to OTA attendance as a whole, the biggest takeaway for me is that the Saints offense, the Saints defense, the Saints team is remarkably bought in and ready to go. I mean, you look at the attendance for the first week, you saw 10 people absent. The second week, it was 15 people absent. And so in the third week, I, you know, there was only really just a few people that were absent, not really a ton at all. And so they were right, hovering right around that area altogether of about like 85, 90% of their attendance. So what you're seeing is some of the things that you see with a team that's undergoing a lot of change, right? I, I continue to highlight this big time that over on the offensive side, you have a new quarterback. That new quarterback usually means that your offense is going to be in attendance. Uh, over on the defensive side, you have you know a brand new defensive line. That usually means that those defensive linemen, and because of that, the ripple effect, meaning that a lot of your defense will also be present. So some of it is circumstantial. Uh, Pammy, I'm going to get to take some hill here in just a second, actually. Uh, some of it is circumstantial, but the other part of it is that this team wants to win. And if they want to win, they've got to work. And so one of the ways to work is to show up for things that are voluntary. And you see it with Cam Jordan. You saw it with Demario Davis, who did two of the three weeks. Tyron Matthew did two of the three weeks. Um, you know, Derek Carr did all three weeks. Chris Olave out there balling out for all three weeks, all of that. So there is a whole lot of that that you can see and say, okay, this team is very much bought in. And I think that's kind of the biggest highlight of what we learned about the New Orleans Saints uh, this offseason. Um, <laughs> 777 says, the NBA Finals can wait. Ross is speaking on my Saints. I love it. I love it. I'm all about making it better to be a fan every day. So I, I hope I can do that for you. Um, my second big takeaway goes to those that weren't present. And I want to start off with Taysom Hill because I've gotten a lot of Taysom Hill questions. Is Taysom Hill hurt? Is there something wrong with Taysom Hill? Is Taysom Hill upset? Is he mad about the signings? Let me just be very real with you about what I genuinely think my opinion of why Taysom Hill didn't attend OCAs are. I have two reasons. The first of which is that it's voluntary. The second of which is that he's 32 years old and he's not a 32 year old quarterback that's protected time in, snap in, snap out all the time anymore. He's not that guy. Instead, he's a guy that's dealt with concussions, has dealt with a Liz Frank injury, that's dealt with a, 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 a mallet finger injury or whatever that injury was called, that has dealt with a bunch of injuries throughout his, his, his timeline of playing sports and is 32 years old and now plays a position where he's asked to catch footballs, to run routes, to cut, to change direction, to operate in small businesses, to, short, to utilize his short area quickness, all of those things. And so getting him in at 32 years old and saying on a voluntary basis, go out there and put your body at risk, I don't blame him for not showing up. If he's not there next week at, at mandatory minicamps, then we can have a different conversation. However, the big thing is that you have, um, is that with, with the voluntary OTAs, there's not really enough. And keep in mind too, that the mandatory minicamps are still part of phase three of the offseason, which means there's really no discipline to be had if a player doesn't show up for the quote mandatory OTAs or, or minicamp. That doesn't really start to matter until training camp once they come out of phase three. 
So that's the way that I look at it with Taysom Hill. And I'm not saying that in an exasperated sense. I'm just saying that in like a, like, this is truly what I think is going on with Taysom Hill. Now, the interesting thing is that the Saints still intend to use Taysom Hill the same way. I don't want to dig too deep into it, but I'll tell you exactly what it is that that um, that D- uh, Dennis Allen said out loud, and, and it was Nick Underhill was asking questions about this, so let me tip my hat to him, um, is that he'll still be in the tight end room, and they still plan to use him the same way that they used him last year. So he still has a role. Uh, and so I don't know if there's anything for him to be upset about. I don't think, and I don't think that it's injury related, which was which was Pammy's major question. Uh, so I don't think that it's that it's injury injury related. But I do think that like it is injury related in that he's trying to avoid being injured. You know what I mean? So that's really what I would kind of attribute that to. Um, and then my last takeaway when it comes to attendance really comes down to the competitions and guys like Alante Taylor got a big leg up in their competition with Paulson Adebo missing two weeks of OTAs. Now, I don't know if Paulson Adebo missed two weeks of OTAs because of an injury that happened during the first week. I don't know what all that it is. Uh, I've already spoken on John Gruden, uh, but like not to be dismissive, but like I, I've talked to death about that already. Um, I, I couldn't care less at this point. Uh, and, and I mean, I couldn't care less about John Gruden. I couldn't care less about the fact that John Gruden visited. Uh, that's all I mean. I don't mean I don't care about, about you or about my opinions. It's just, ugh. But like when it comes down to the things with like Paulson Debo and like these competitions, showing up is probably a, a, a good idea. And so you wonder if there was something that kept Paulson Debo from being able to show up, right? Like a family thing or or a personal thing or an injury or something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, so I, I think that that's the other piece that I look at and go, okay, well, that's the other part of it that's all impacted by that OTA presence because Alante Taylor looked great during his time with. Uh, the New Orleans Saints throughout OTAs looked awesome throughout OTAs. Um, you know, there's not a lot of other battles that are going on out there, but you think about you know wide receivers who either miss time or who uh, were out there making plays and things like that. I mean, like all of that really factors in. And then the 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 other piece of it is not necessarily competition, but getting an opportunity to see more competition. Not having Ryan Ramchick, James Hurst, Nick Saldaveri, uh, Andrus Pete, uh, and Cesar Ruiz out on the field. Throughout all three weeks of OTAs, uh, no problem. Tell me, um, you know, throughout OTAs and all that, um, that that gave the Saints an opportunity to be able to see who are all of the other people that are there and who are um, a part of you know the offensive line and depth and all that, and getting an idea to be able to start looking at some of those depth positions and and all that. So I do think that there is all of those pieces. There are all of those pieces that you also get to figure out a little bit based upon some of the absences out there outside of just, uh, you know, who was present, how the absences actually end up meaning better things for some of the younger guys, Storm Norton and Lewis Kidd and, 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 and Calvin Throckmorton and Landon Young and all of them. Um, real quick, because it's kind of a kind of relevant to the, um, to the attendance question. Somebody I saw in the chat asked about whether or not Isaiah Foskey has signed his contract yet. No, he has not. But it kind of doesn't doesn't matter as much as we we might feel like it does. Remember, Alante Taylor, who was also a second round pick, did not sign his contract until like July twenty first last year, well into training camp. This always seems to happen with second round picks because there's so much sort of change in terms of what the pay scale values are and all those other things. In fact, I think there's several, I think there's only maybe a handful, maybe two handfuls of second round picks from this year's draft that have signed contracts so far. 
So Isaiah Foskey has been present. That's what matters. It's if he hasn't signed his contract and then stopped showing up, that's where things become a little bit more concerning. So I wouldn't be worried about that uh, at the moment. All right, coming up next, I want to take a look at Brian Brzee, who got a big opportunity on Tuesday in front of media. Was it about situation or is it about his progress? We're going to break it down as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, let's get it. Who that nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints. I did the all let's again because I got I got all I got all um I got all uh excited. Uh somebody asked like a little follow-up question real quick about the uh Isaiah Foskey thing. Uh what if Isaiah Foskey doesn't sign his contract? He will. If he doesn't sign, he doesn't need to play football. It's it's that simple. Uh and that's so that's definitely not gonna happen. So let's get to it here as we uh wrap up the the show today. Uh, Brian Brzee. Brian Brzee is is the point of point of conversation here for the end of the show, and I think that the big part of it is that he got those first team reps in uh, OTA day, open to media. Let's just say week three. Um, the the specifics around what the Saints were working the third week of OTAs could have played into this because it was a lot of um, red zone drills. And so maybe it's that specific package and things like that and the specific situation where they want more greater looks at Brian Brzee. But in either case, I still think that him getting those additional reps at first team means something. It shows that the Saints have at least enough confidence in him to allow him into that opportunity because he wasn't starting there, right? He didn't start off playing with the first team. In fact, when it came to team drills, in terms of what media saw, we didn't really even see him get involved until the third team, which means we saw like maybe two snaps. Because oftentimes what'll happen is that the first team will get, you know, five, six, seven snaps, depending upon what the structure of what they're doing is, uh, unless they're doing, you know, four, uh, unless they're doing like four downs and they're trying to score in four downs and things like that. Uh, the second team will get about four reps. And then the third team maybe gets two. Oftentimes it ends up being the case. So we didn't really get a ton of opportunity to see him early on in OTAs. But when we did get to see him in the third day of OTAs, he looked really good. And the thing that I liked about it was that you also heard uh, Dennis Allen speak about him after the, uh, after the after practice in his presser to where he talked about the things that he liked about Brian Brzee and what it is that he brings uh, to the team. And some of the things that he highlighted, I'm just checking my notes here, which are like drenched from the, uh, from the rain. Uh, but you know, some of the things that he highlighted about Brzee is that he brings you somebody that is uh, quick twitch, somebody that can move well in, in small paces. He gives you a little bit of a burst. He gives you suddenness, quickness, all of these things. These are all things that we saw from his scouting report when we were researching the fit of Brian Brzee as a potential draft selection for the New Orleans Saints before the draft. And I think that suddenness, that quickness, that ability to be a pass rushing, attacking interior is quintessential for what the New Orleans Saints want to be in 2023. Remember, Colin Saunders, better pass rusher than Shy Tuttle, but about the same when it comes to run deep, when it comes to run defense. Uh, Nathan Shepard, better pass rusher last year than David Onyemata. In fact, Nathan Shepard was top 10 in pass rush win rate, which is a uh, a metric that pro football uses, pro football focus uses in terms of breaking down how successful somebody is in a one-on-one pass rush situation. He was top 10, Nathan Shepard was, 16 spots better than David Onyemata while ranking within three spots of David Onyemata in run defense. 
Now you add an attacker with suddenness, quickness, quick twitch ability, all these other things, and Brian Brzee to that interior, it becomes again an attacking pass rushing interior. So I do think that there is a um that there is value in seeing him early and seeing him with the first team early. And I do think that there's a chance that he starts off seeing maybe 20, 25 snaps in the first game, but then that grows to him having the lion's share of the rotation. John Hendricks, my buddy and colleague over at Saints News Network, and I spoke about this earlier today, that the idea of a guy like Brian Brzee and Isaiah Foskey, for that matter, seeing like 20, 25 total snaps, 20, 25% of snaps early on in their career in the first couple of games would not be surprising. But after the first quarter of the season, I would expect for them to really bulk up and, and, and bolster more and more and more of the lion's share of those snaps. So I think that seeing Brzee get into the positions where he's getting these first team reps already during OTAs is uh, massively important for, for him and his development, as well as the New Orleans Saints for tracking that development over time. So I just wanted to highlight Brian Brzee getting those first team reps. Yes, some of it could have been situational, but all, all told, it does have a lot to do as well with what he's been able to do and what he's been able to show that they would allow him to get up to that spot. And, and you might say too that Colin Saunders being absent from practice, remember Colin Saunders was absent because he was with the Kansas City Chiefs at the White House celebrating the Super Bowl victory because he was a part of that team, so he still gets to go. Uh, but last week when Nathan Shepard wasn't there, Brian Brzee did not get first team snaps in place of Nathan Shepard. They went to Malcolm Roach. So there is still a uniqueness and specificity in going to Brian Brzee this week. So that's what, that's what I'll remind, or that's what I'll, I'll mention in terms of him being able to do that. I think it's a great thing for Brian Brzee. All right. A couple of little things that I saw pop up in the chat that I want to make sure that I wrap up today's episode with, uh, somebody had asked if I think that the Saints could use depth at defensive end. I think most importantly, they can use veteran depth at defensive end. I wouldn't be surprised to see them maybe make a move there around training camp. And as training camp begins, I'm not surprised to see that there's a lot of veterans right now that aren't interested in signing with a team when they would have to potentially go to voluntary OTAs or when they'd have to go to a mandatory minicamp. They'd much rather uh, wait until training camp to get it done. So that's very likely when you'll see some of those additions get made. I saw somebody ask who is wide receiver for, I think right now I would put Brian Edwards in that spot, but Brian Edwards did leave practice with an injury yesterday. So we'll have to wait and see if that was a, or it left the field. I don't know if it was an injury, but it was some kind of ailment. At least we'll have to see how that all factors in. He wasn't carted off or anything like that. It's just, he just walked off with a trainer. He was able to do it under his own power. It couldn't be nothing, but definitely something to watch because it could open the door for somebody else to simply come up and make some plays. Traquan Smith had a really strong day yesterday. Can he keep that up? Um, the other thing that I saw was, should the Saints still go after Hunter Renfro? Yes. I still do believe that uh, as well. So I think that there is a good uh, part of what I, I've got so far uh, for you. So that's the way that I would look at everything in terms of the, the big questions that I see. Uh, 777 asks, do I think that Brian Brzee would help with the, the, the Saints run defense that struggled last year? Uh, probably not right off the bat, no. Uh, and so I think that that's where guys like Colin Saunders, Malcolm Roach, Nathan Shepard end up doing that. And then you need to wait and see what you can get with Brian Brzee. Uh, in the coaching staff. And uh, and I, I'm only addressing this because I want to make sure that I clarify. I see a question here that's asking about um, John Gruden being a part of the coaching staff. John Gruden is not a part of the coaching staff. He was brought in for a week, for a couple of days to visit with the offensive staff and visit with the quarterbacks. He's not in the facility anymore. He is not a staff member. He's not a part of the coaching staff. That's, that's kind of the end of it. Um, Malik Flowers looked pretty good too. Malik Flowers did look pretty good too. 
All right, so uh, coming up tomorrow morning, we're going to go through the lineups for offense and defense. Sorry, we haven't done that yet. I'm just preparing some like visual stuff to help with all that. So we're going to get to that tomorrow. And then we'll continue to break down some more around uh, some of these guys that have been impressing for the New Orleans Saints. But I, I also want to get into some of the guys that need to show up, needed to show up during OTAs and didn't really get an opportunity to or didn't show that they uh, could show up just yet. So we're going to get to all that as we roll through in tomorrow's episode of Locked on Saints. We'll also have another live episode tomorrow night. And then, of course, Friday, you'll have your Friday morning episode. So as always, y'all, I appreciate you so, so, so much for coming through for another episode of Locked on Saints and for all the everydayers out there who have been enjoying like eight or nine episodes every single week. I really, really love it. Really, really appreciate it. Um, again, tomorrow morning, tomorrow evening, and then we're and then Friday morning. Uh, for this week. And then we'll be right back at it on Monday, unless there's breaking news over the weekend, which of course we will always be here for. Appreciate you as always. Make it locked on Saints, your first listen of the day, every day for making me part of your day, part of your routine. And as always for saying yes to me and the show, if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints, uh, of course, you can always follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you that nation. I'll holla at you.